Hi, and welcome back to All About the Triad. So this episode is going to focus on mental health awareness and also on bringing in speakers to mm-hmm. who are athletes and have experienced the triad. Right, so first we wanted to do, to address mm-hmm. um, the difference between eating disorders versus disordered eating. Yeah, so eating disorders um, is described as a diagnosed uh, psychological illness characterized by pathological eating behaviors that negatively impact health. And I'm sorry, that's a lot of words. <laughs> right, and according to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, there's a range of atypical eating behaviors that affect your ability to maintain sufficient cal- caloric intake, mm-hmm. really. And this is usually diagnosed with an eating disorder. Yeah. And I know to a lot of people, the eating disorders versus disordered eating mm-hmm. can actually get really confusing. Mm-hmm. But disordered eating is is, is kind of like what it sounds. You're, you're eating disorderedly, like... Your, it's behavioral things. It's like yeah. you. S- it's it's literally a psychological mm-hmm. illness, which would be the eating disorder. So, according to the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, there's a range of atypical eating behaviors that affect your ability to ma- maintain sufficient caloric intake. And usually, it's diagnosed with just an eating disorder. But eating disorders and disordered eating is two very different things. Yeah. So. A thing to really keep in mind is that eating disorders are a psychological illness. You you have eating behaviors that you can't really stop, you know. Um, disordered eating is also extremely psychologically taxing and draining. It's, it's one of the major pathways to the athlete triad. So when, when this happens, when you're disordered eating or you have an eating disorder, mm-hmm. you're going to have an energy de- deficit. Right. And that's like the, the, main, the main thing that we've been talking exactly. about. And, that's, and I hope by this point in the episode that we've really drilled in that energy deficiency is the cause of like a lot of issues of the triad. You know, it can cause reproductive system to shut down and, you know, it could compromise your bone health. Yeah. As I said in the first episode, being energy deficient is like the catalyst of it all. Yeah. So, you know, like we obviously want to show you guys what some of these signs and symptoms um, are that indicate disordered eating. So that can be, you know, a high drive for thinness. So you you're really looking to be Mm -hmm. skinny, you know, which a lot of times can be characterized with like anorexia or bulimia. Mm -hmm. And and you're always... um, at a constant, at a constant and conscious effort to restrict um, how much you're eating, you're you're always thinking about that too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like always, oh, like I just ate something. How many calories is this? Mm-hmm. Um, tracking your calories in in a very compulsive way, compulsive right. eating. Um, if you have like really rigid routines to the to the point where it's kind of like debilitating, and like if you if you kind of fall off that routine, you're very affected by it. Like, and just having a lot of anxiety and guilt yeah. and shame about eating specific foods. Yeah, and like weight fluctuations mm-hmm. and always worrying about weight. Mm-hmm. Like all of these signs and symptoms are indications of disordered eating. And it's something to to seek medical medical attention, go to your physician, go to a dietitian, nutritionist, and exactly really change those eating habits and and take care of yourself and now this isn't like disordered eating behaviors are really common and it's not just in women it's in men as well and this is involved in happen to anybody exactly and this is involved in weight class sports especially sports that emphasize leanness or muscularity Mm -hmm. you know and endurance sports where they feel the need to be as thin as possible because they feel it gives them an advantage in their sport. Yeah, so like one of our, uh, the first speaker that we'll have on this episode is one of my dear friends, um, Nikki. And um, I know that she did track and field, which means they really emphasize on being as skinny as possible and lean Mm -hmm. as possible, which means you can have your best stride. You can be as fast through that. So like that, that's a great example of where disordered eating really starts to, starts to build up Mm -hmm. especially another thing that we we found actually 
um, and both the guest speakers that we spoke to is that coaches play a really large role in educating and shaping who you are as a person, yeah. as a young teen. Yeah. And Th- them as the adult figures in your lives, yeah. they really should be, you know, saying like an, like they shouldn't be pushing you to the point where, you know, you feel like you have to skip a meal. You feel yeah. like you have to stay so skinny or, mm-hmm. and you know. And when we, when we say um, educating, we actually mean a lack of education. Mm-hmm. Like the coaches are, the coaches are the people who are teaching you how you. Right. They play a major influence right. on your life. Yeah. Like that's what I want to say. They, they play such a major and big role and they should be the ones who are like primarily educating mm-hmm. you and advising on, you. Yeah, like telling you exactly like how much you should be eating if you're not and if they see something mm-hmm. off being like, "Hey, like I kind of see something yeah. off. Like what's up? Like are you okay?" and like mm-hmm. maybe bring you snacks to like make sure that you right. know like just even like the smallest things and making sure that you're staying well hydrated and yeah. being well fueled and well, you know, properly healing yourself like yeah but oftentimes what we see is the exact the exact opposite of Mm -hmm. that they are kind of the cause for the the high drive of thinness and you know wanting to eat less and Mm -hmm. the lack of education about the triad and not wanting to push the education about the triad to the athletes um which really causes Mm -hmm. a so many mental health deficits, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's what we really want to push. Like the triad isn't just something affecting you physically. It's also affecting you mentally. And that's even more so like hard to measure, hard to mm-hmm. see because exactly. Yeah. A lot of people will want to like push back on mm-hmm. mental health stuff. They'll be like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's and true. another common theme that was with our interviews with our guest speakers mm-hmm was that there was just this very com like this theme yeah. where it was kind of oh like this is nothing you have to push through it mm-hmm. you know like this is not a huge deal like oh you're not missing your period okay you're not injured push through it you know yeah and you'll, like um you'll hear one of our speakers Nikki um she'll talk about how her coach, even while she was hospitalized because of how bad her mm-hmm. her eating disorders got um, to the point where she was almost comatosed, actually, her coach still came to the hospital while her heart rate was at 20 beats per minute and um, compared her to Michael Phelps and, and said, like, this is fine. Like your heart rate mm-hmm. should be at this and you're doing everything right. Like you could be discharged. You could be discharged. Like you're fine. Yeah. Which but is completely. She was at the point where. Um, I know this cause, cause she's a dear friend of mine. She's told me how she was at the point where things were really scary, like, uh, going to a coma and coding and fighting for your life, like literally life or death mm-hmm. scenarios. Coaches sometimes will take it easily and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll be very, um, I don't want to say anything too controversial, but manipulative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is abusive. That's abusive behavior. Yeah, that is, you know, highly abusive behavior. Like, that is not okay. And another thing is, um, I don't want to get too into it, but this was said, well, like, we spoke to Nikki about this, and mm-hmm. she was saying how she wrote an op-ed. Yeah, which we will be um, discussing on, mm-hmm. like, a little episode after mm-hmm. this. That she wrote an op-ed and she wrote it to her newspaper and what's crazy is that it got swept under the rug yeah. by by they, the school yeah they buried you know? it she was asked to write it she didn't even volunteer but um th- this conversation happened mm-hmm. after our recording of the podcast but she was telling us how she didn't even volunteer but it was still swept under the rug swept under the rug mm-hmm. and um buried and they tried to do everything to make sure exactly. her story did not come out. And it's 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 really crazy to me because, you know, she mentions that you know, she, the same school that she is, you know, winning medals and working really so, like, hard. Yeah, they seem to be, like, so proud mm-hmm, of exactly. to, like, have her. Like, when... When she's in her prime, when she's doing well, when she's at her optimal training, whatever... But when she's going through something like this, you would expect the school to protect her. 
Yeah. Right. That and and doesn't that's, happen. that's not, that's not what happens. And no. there needs to be more discussion in like among the, I don't know, among, among the community, community. Um, among the community. Yeah. Like, this, I feel like the, if like somebody listens to this mm-hmm. and takes inspiration to this, I, I would cry literal tears of joy because I think it's so important. And for, for somebody like to take inspiration and, and do something um, that's for somebody to take inspiration and do anything to bring this out to light would be amazing because a lot of efforts to to bring this out to be to come to, to come into the light has been taken down. Um, like Mary Kane, um, she was. Uh, uh, there's an op-ed by her uh, on the New York Times. If anybody wants to read that, but she said she was the fastest girl in America until she joined Nike, and essentially she was experiencing the triad. And she went to her coach and Nike and told them like what they're doing is wrong and. They acted as if they were going to change mm-hmm. change things, and it never happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they essentially did what they did with Nikki's story. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of swept it under the rug. Exactly. Nothing ever changed. They are still implementing the same things that they did with Mary Kane mm-hmm. up until today. Right. Like, they just really had this, you know, win-at-all-cost mindset. Yeah. Which, you know, it, it's not okay. It's It's... what am i trying to say like it's it's not okay and you know coaches will often like constantly remind you um mary kane talks uh, talks about this in her op-ed how you're constantly reminded how lucky you are to be there how anyone Mm -hmm. would want to be there and it's it's this weird feeling of well, then I can't leave it. Who right. am I without it? Exactly. Um, uh, this is a quote by Kara Goucher, an Olympic distance runner who trained with the same program um, under... This is a quote by Kara Goucher, an Olympic distance runner. Um, and I think it's so true. You know, like a lot of people will just feel like um, they have to keep going with the sport or else they don't have an identity. Mm -hmm. And another thing that Goucher says is when someone proposes something you don't want to do, whether it's weight loss or drugs, you wonder, is this what it takes? Maybe it is, and I don't want to have regrets. Your careers are so short. You are so desperate. You want to capitalize on your career, but you're not sure at what cost. And I think that... That quote to me speaks at such a mm-hmm. high level of mm-hmm. of how crazy this this whole right. thing is, and the I think it's just so crazy about how this physical ailment, this physical illness, mm-hmm. can turn into such a psychological illness that people don't care about. Exactly, and I really just feel like this needs to be publicized. And I really just feel like this is something that needs to be publicized more. And this, there definitely needs to be more education among coaches and athletes. Mm-hmm. And even at a high school level or, you know, implementing a class, like, but something needs to be done. Yeah, something needs to change. I think, I think that's the most important thing. Um, and whoever wants to can take up a project. And I think we are too through this podcast exactly. of doing one step at a time to bring this out there exactly and with that um we want to introduce our speakers nikki liars nikki you say um and saying that we now want to introduce our speakers our first speaker is going to be nikki Iyer, and our second speaker is going to be rima there um Thank you so much for listening to our little blurb at the beginning, and we hope you have fun listening to our speakers.
Okay. Hi, Nikki. And thank you for joining us on All About the Triad. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah. Thank you for having me, uh, first of all. Um, yeah. So like you said, I'm Nikki. I did track and field for, I want to say about eight years, mm-hmm. um, basically from middle school all the way throughout high school and then beginning of college a little bit. Um, ended up quitting track and going into film and more artistic pr- pursuits, but I did track for for a minute there. Yeah. Yeah. You were pretty successful at it, huh? You know, I think success is a very relative <laughs> term. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely had a lot of great experiences and I saw a lot of things that I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to have seen. And I got to compete with a lot of people and meet a lot of people in that way. So I'm very grateful for all the experiences that I've had. But I mean, obviously we're here to talk about some of the not so positive experiences that I had as well. Right. So you're obviously on here because you experienced a triad. Um, If you don't mind, why don't you go ahead and share like a brief story of yours? Yeah. I mean, I think female athlete triad is one of those things that you don't really realize that you have until it's a little bit too far gone. Um, And I hate to say it that way, but it's kind of true because you don't really see change until you've really changed a lot. Um, I was relatively healthy. I want to say I didn't really have a lot of problems in middle school. Um, my first bout of amenorrhea happened when I was a freshman in college or freshman in high school. Um, that's sort of when running became very intense for me at that point, it stopped being just like this thing for pleasure. And it started being this, you know, really competitive pursuit of mine. That was also going to lead me to promises in college and all that kind of stuff. So I started experiencing amenorrhea around then, um, didn't think too much of it because I'd always been told that, you know, athletes who compete at a high level will probably have dips in their cycle and whatever about two years passed of me not having a period. And that's when I started really experiencing the heavy side of female athlete triad, which included some of the other issues other than not having your period, which is like PCOS, Mm -hmm. uh, mood issues, fatigue, um, bone issues, um, so on and so forth. So I think I, I sort of experienced female athlete triad in phases. Right. So like, that's usually how it shows up. It shows up like through the spectrum where right. you start off kind of like mild, you don't notice it. Subtle. Exactly. And then, and then it'll then just advancing like further and further. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll be like, you lose your period mm-hmm. and then it'll be like bone. And then it just kind of goes like, boom, boom, boom. What would you say is like the most difficult part of having the triad, I guess, like whether it being like, like physical or mental, like what was the hardest part for you? I think the fact that it's so normalized was probably the most difficult part because, you know, the people that you sort of try to communicate about this issue to are usually your teammates, your coaches, um, people that are sort of in the track world. You know, you rarely go to your OBGYN or I don't even know if people in high school, a lot of them even have an OBGYN. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you rarely, you know, bring it up to that level. So when you have an issue like female athlete triad that is so normalized and it seems like everybody has it, it then doesn't become an issue, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a problem because everybody's sort of like silently suffering. So I would say it's a combination of, obviously the physical effects are very debilitating because I had chronic fatigue and bone issues. I would get stress fractures all the time. Obviously overuse is a huge contributing factor to that, but also like not having healthy bones is a major reason for that. But I would argue that the mental is actually, it's really, it's really tiring because you don't know what's wrong with you uh, for the longest while. And I mean, fixing female athlete triad, as I'm sure you've discovered through your own research is not easy and it'll take multiple years to recover from it, especially if it's a very severe case. Did you, did you feel like you could even bring it up to anybody like even in your family or was it just kind of like you had to keep it hush hush because I I know that you kind of suffered a lot from your coach um Mm -hmm. your coaches because they kept really pushing it on you so did you did you feel like you yeah I mean I had my coaching I mean as I'm sure you I mean you know this Jay (laughs) um my coaching situation was anything but positive um I had very very difficult um you know, I don't like to use the word, I don't like to throw words like abusive out there because I don't, I don't want to sort of get tied in the legalities of it. And people sort of focus on that and they don't focus on the suffering. Right. Um, but I did have a coach that would, I mean, I remember his first reaction to me telling him that I was suffering with amenorrhea was you won't be able to get pregnant. And me being, you know, I was 15 years old when he said that to me. 
And I remember thinking, that's your concern. Your concern is whether or not I'll be able to get pregnant. It's not that I'm going to have osteoporosis, that I'm going to have premenopause, that I'm going to have fatigue, that I'm probably going to end up in the hospital. Like these issues are not concerning to you. It's pregnancy. Um, so that was sort of the response that I got from that. So I, I definitely felt like this sort of uh, external pressure to keep it kind of hush hush from um, coaches and whatnot, because there's also this underlying assumption that the skinnier you are, the faster that you are. So if you're, if your suffering isn't that visible, then it's not going to be that important for them to address, if that makes sense. But in terms of bringing it up, I felt very comfortable to bring it up to my mom, who was an athlete herself. Um, and she was pretty, uh, pretty, you know, high level athlete as well. So she had the same sort of experiences. Um, and she's the one that took me to an OBGYN and doctors and um, all that. So I definitely feel like I lucked out in that regard. I had somebody there for me for sure. So kind of touching base, like more on the whole mental health thing how would you say like one how have you like recovered from the whole mental health aspect of that and two while you were going through like the darkest of the dark parts of that how was it affecting you mentally because like it's a lot of internalized trauma yeah I mean I think that's such a brilliant term internalized trauma because the thing is you when people talk about trauma they sort of expect that as humans, we react to it in a very like external, visible way. And they don't sort of see the silent sufferers. Um, and the other aspect is that with internalized trauma, it's a very enduring process. You know, it exists for a long period of time and it will manifest in ways that you probably can't even predict. Yeah. Um, for me, I think it, it gave me, I mean, first of all, recovering from female athlete triad was a very, very, very difficult process for me. I got put in I'm pretty much every hormone replacement medication you can think of. Um, and that wreaked havoc on my body. And it's given me like long-term side effects that I'm still sort of trying to manage even today, yeah. mind you. And I quit track like four years ago. Um, so, you know, in that, that respect, yeah, it's definitely, you know, wreaked havoc mentally. And then, yeah, comp I mean, I had like multiple issues, right? Cause I had female athlete triad. I had, you know, not great coaching. Um, so I definitely feel like it's left me with a little bit of like a bitter taste in my mouth um, where I am, I think more vigilant nowadays. Like if I notice something's wrong with my cycle, I'm immediately like trying to act on it because I do yeah. have like, a little bit of uh, a phobia now, I guess, or a fear of like you're what kind of like, happen if I don't treat it. Yeah. yeah. You're kind of like fight or flight mode whenever. Yeah. You kind of sense like something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess another thing I would want to ask is just like when you were going through it, like ment like mentally, like how did that make you feel? Like, like what were you thinking when you were going through it? And like, what advice would you give, you know, athletes in your position? Like what, like what would you advise them to do? My advice would be think about it. Yeah. <laughs> you really should think about it because that's the biggest mistake. I mean, I didn't think about it. I just sort of took it for granted. I was like, okay, I guess this is just how it is, how it's going to be. Um, so the fuck what, I, or, sorry, I just swore. Um, but so what if I, you know, if I don't have a period, you know, I guess that's like not really hindering my performance. So I would say the biggest advice is think about it, like realize that you are young, especially if you're an athlete in high school years, college years, whatever, you're very young and your body's still growing, especially if you're a teenager and realize that this stuff isn't healthy. It's not healthy to not have your period for X amount of months, years, whatever it is, no matter who tells you that, like it, it just, it's not normal. Um, and so I would say my, my advice is just really honestly acknowledge the problem because that's where the fix sort of starts. You have to realize that you are having a problem and that this is not, you know, and also I would say that it's not unique. That's the other thing. I think it can be a very isolating thing. You might think that something's wrong with you or your body because you're not able to be like, you know, getting all of everything under control at the exact moment that you want it to, but realize that this is like really, really prominent issue. A lot of people have it. I would say a general, I mean, more than the majority have, have this issue for sure. And I think another thing that we talked to um, Dr. Surio about was just like, it there's a lot of denial when someone like when you go through this you know mm -hmm. you don't want to acknowledge you don't want to acknowledge what happened when was that point where you were like there's no more denying this like this has to be addressed now like you couldn't keep pushing through anymore for me it was when i medically retired from track at that point i was like and it was less about like i can't get through it anymore and it was more like i just wanted to cut ties with the sort of past life that i had and i knew the first place to start would be to get healthy Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. I did, I mean, I did have a, a hospital stint 
Um, unfortunately, it didn't wake me up and I didn't really make any changes. Um, so I think that's when I, at that point was when I realized that things were really serious. Yeah. Didn't make any changes again. The point that I really actually made changes was when I left the sport. So obviously that sounds very dark, right? It sounds very like dismal, like, okay, yeah, you know, the only point at which you can make changes when you leave the sport. But I would say that arguably, as long as you can sort of approach the sport in a very healthy, sustainable way, you'll be able to make these changes early on and catch them before they become so severe. So what did you do to kind of like recover both physically and mentally from this after you retired? Yeah, so a couple of things. One, changing your relationship with food and exercise. Um, yeah, you know, that's a really big, big thing is particularly in my sport. I mean, I can't speak for everybody's sport, but I can speak for track and field where yeah. eating disorders are very rampant, especially among women. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like exercising tendencies, right? Cause long distance running is what I did. And I know long distance runners, we do a little bit of everything, right? You do cardio, you do strength training. I mean, you do resistance work, mm-hmm. skill preparation drills. I mean, there's so much you do. So you have to change your relationship with how you approach working out, um, you know, and it has to be much more sustainable. Then the other component is like the pharma stuff, right? You take medication. Um, and look, I'm not gonna, you know, I obviously have my own beliefs about the medical industry and what modern medicine looks like. Um, I'm not really a huge uh, proponent of uh, using medicine and pharma to sort of help you stabilize yourself. But if you do go see like an OBGYN or somebody who specializes in this, they most likely will put you on metformin or some other kind of drug that will help to sort of rebalance your hormones. But you need to realize that this is a very, very long process and it could take upwards of a year, maybe even two years of being consistently on this medication. So when you start taking it, you gotta make a real commitment to it. You know, and you that's, I think that was, that was probably the hardest part for me actually was the medicines. Yeah. Were you ever, um, when you went to the doctor for this, did they put you on the birth control pill? They brought it up. I actually was put predominantly on metformin. Um, and the reason why I remember it being very weird for me is because my dad is a diabetic. Metformin is a a drug that's given to people that have diabetes. And, um, I was taking a higher dose than he was and I'm not diabetic. Um, and that's like, I mean, that's where you have to sort of start thinking everything, even birth control, everything has side effects. And these are side effects that we don't really, we might be looking at the short term, right? But who's looking at the long term? Like who's looking at how this is going to affect us in our thirties and forties and fifties. Nobody's looking at that. Yeah. That's kind of like what we talk about a lot. Cause like the birth control pill, which is like Mm -hmm. the, like the main thing that doctors tend to give out. um, But it's really not fixing the problem. Yeah. It's just kind of like a Mm -hmm. short term thing. But the period that you're getting on the birth control pill isn't even a period. It's just mm-hmm. literally withdrawing from, yeah, it's just it's withdrawing from the hormones, which is, you're not, like, you're not you're ovulating not anything. Yeah. So that's just not okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, what really made you change your eating habits? Was it just kind of like that mentality? Yeah, it's like, just such a weird, I mean, I think I went through so many for phases with it, man. I mean, I started off the funny thing is, or I guess less funny, more tragic is that you don't realize that you're anorexic. If you have athletic anorexia, which is a specific category of anorexia. And the other thing is that doctors misdiagnose all the time. And one major disorder that they don't ever consider is exercise bulimia, right? Because to them, bulimia is you know, it's a sort of food related issue, but you can have exercise bulimia. In fact, a lot of people have exercise bulimia. Um, So I think what happened was that I, in a weird way, I ended up balancing the two, like I ended up balancing my food habits and my exercise habits and naturally things sort of came together. Um, I think the impetus for me was ironically, it should have been when I was in the hospital. Um, It wasn't then it was, you know, pretty much as soon as I got out of track, again, it was more of this motivation for me to kind of get my life back because I think I had this sort of reality check as soon as I quit track that Mm -hmm. I had this sort of second lease on life and I had to use, I had to make the most of my opportunity, which meant, I mean, and that's the other thing also, like, do you really want to go the rest of your life, like counting calories and carbs and protein and fat and like things that really, I mean, broader scale. Like when you, when you go to your, you know, your grave, you're not going to be thinking about how many calories did I eat every day? And like, how successful was I at maintaining a diet? You know, the definition of a very fulfilling life, um, which ultimately only you could decide Mm -hmm. is more than just what you eat and how you work out. And these are things that you have to really internalize. Somebody can't tell you this. That's the other thing. Nobody in the world can tell you, you need to recover. 
you need to like internalize that you want to recover and that you need to recover. And until that happens, you won't recover. I think, I think that was very beautifully said. And that's going to kind of touch on my last point here. If you had like one piece of advice to give to somebody experiencing the triad and like one short sentence, what would that be? Hmm. Trust no one but yourself. I mean, I think that's my, my biggest piece of advice. I mean, yeah. all of us have gut feelings. Yeah. Um, every single one of us does. The problem is that most of us ignore that mm-hmm. uh, and we proceed to do what it is that we want to do. I would say number one is trust your gut. And number two is that realize that athletics is not the be all end all. I understand I was in like, and I know people might hear this and be like, that's crazy. You know, I'm at the top of my game. Like, yeah. why would I ever consider something other than athletics? But trust me you know, especially when you go to college, if you're an athlete, that's a scholarship athlete and you're headed to college, realize that going to college is going to expand your horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you let it do that, do that. And you're going to learn other things and you're going to decide that certain things appeal to you more. And you know what, that's fine. And so my point is that you can't really get caught up in the belief that your life and your value is based on how good of an athlete you are because you never know when that will change. Also, there's all the unpredictable stuff like injuries. Um, So I would say like one, don't be so hyper-focused in athletics, really try to live life, man. Live, that's the biggest regret that I have is that I didn't really live my life to the fullest then. I am now, but I didn't then. So live your life to the fullest and trust your gut. Very important. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful to have you on and- It really was a pleasure to hear all your answers. Yeah, I think you had some really beautiful mm-hmm. insight to give to a lot of people because not a lot of people hear what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah, and I commend you guys on having this thank sort of you. forum and, and place to speak about this issue because you're right, it isn't discussed in great yeah. detail at all. Well, thank you so much. You so and much. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Hi, so thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick? Hi, my name is Rima. Um, I'm a junior here at Penn State. So obviously you're on here because you experienced a triad. Um, Do you mind kind of telling us like a brief story of how it happened, like when it happened? Sure. So um, I've been playing tennis since I was in third grade and I really started picking up with tennis when I went to high school mm-hmm. like ninth grade like um high school sports are really like demanding when it comes yeah. to like being in season like I'd be playing like 40 hours a week it was like my job like people work 40 hours a week I would be playing tennis 40 hours a week and yeah. then I'd go home and I was in like all honors and AP like most kids at Penn State like I was in like all mm-hmm. honors and AP classes so I would come home at like eight o'clock ish mm-hmm. like take a shower, eat my dinner, start my homework at like nine o'clock ish. And then I would like go for like the longest time. Sometimes like with being like an AP student, sometimes it'd be like one o'clock and then I would go to sleep and then I'd wake up at like six o'clock. And then like, sometimes it was even less sleep. So I feel like, um, that's when I felt like that started because like I was just very sleep deficient um I would be missing my periods like every um all a season like all four months that season was going on I would miss my period that entire time for freshman and sophomore and junior senior year I had it once during um like our season Mm -hmm. but um those three years I didn't get it a single time. Wow. So like, was this like ever alarming to you or yeah. did you ever like tell your coach any of this? Um, so I never told my coach is like a male. So like, it was hard to talk to him about like, girl. You know, yeah. yeah. I have my, I don't have my period and it's cause I'm stressed out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I went to my doctor and she was just like, Oh yeah. Like, um, she put you on she's like, it's very, very normal kind of thing. Yeah. And like, we can get you on the pill, but like my mom was not ready to get me on the pill at mm-hmm. such a young. Yeah. Well, so- one of the biggest things that we've talked about is that in our class, it's just like physicians, they put girls who are experiencing the triad on an oral contraceptive because they think that that's going to regulate that. But like, that's not exactly the case just because you're not getting your period. Exactly. I think, um, 
when, when you and I were talking about this on the phone, I was telling you how like, and you were unaware of this, that the period that you're getting on your birth control pill is not a period. It's mm-hmm. essentially a withdrawal bleed of your body withdrawing from the, the estrogen and the progesterone mm-hmm. in those 28 days, um, sorry, 21 days of the hormone pills that you're getting in your birth control pack. Um, and I know that like now you're on it, right? And you never realized how it was actually mm-hmm. bad for you. With the female triad, I don't know if this is related. I started feeling like getting like PCOS, like yeah. symptoms. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting like, I gained so much weight my senior year. I went from being like 130 to like 150 in just a few months flat, like just like wow. one year. It was, and it was like, I still was eating the same amount, doing everything. It's just like, I could not help it. Like I was eating like less. I was like doing a lot stuff and like trying to like make my weight gain stop but like it just wouldn't stop so then I finally went to the doctor and they were and I even like looked online everywhere it just said birth control birth control so I finally like my mom gave up I gave up and we all I've been on birth control for two years now and then finally she called me and she was like oh like that doesn't help and like it alarmed me actually after you called me like after I finished my month Mm -hmm. um this month I stopped taking it I'm like I want to see if it'll naturally come good job to you girl honestly that's that's really good um thank you for telling me I was so alarmed because I'm like everywhere I go it says birth control is the solution like PCOS and like what is the result of like the triad when you were going through the triad when so more or less like this episode we really wanted to focus on the mental aspects of it Mm -hmm. when you were going through the triad even though that you didn't know that you were going through the triad like how did that make you feel mentally and was that like like mentally taxing to you and like yeah like what what was your mindset how were you thinking of right you know not like on your period yeah and on top of all of that you're also like doing very hard classes Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um when I think back to it, I wasn't unaware that it was happening. But when I, with my knowledge now and my memories of how I was feeling back then, I would always just be so tired. And I would, mm. I would be eating the same amount, but like, I would just always be so tired. My period was never coming. So I'd always have that stress. Like, why isn't my period kind of coming? Like, mm. and your coach you know, like, never knew at all. No, my coach never knew. He was always like, you're just so tired. Go to sleep kind of thing. Did he ever like push you too hard to kind of tell you like if you do lose your period it's like a good thing or did that never happen because sometimes that is something that a lot of athletes see our coach was just so male (laughs) okay he was just like so afraid of talking about any of the female stuff yeah he was just kind of like uh is it your like time of the month kind of thing and it's like okay I'm gonna like stay away from you kind of thing Mm -hmm. but did it like so like talking about the mental health aspect right did you ever kind of feel like you were kind of going to like a whenever like the season would come around um did you ever feel like depressed or or was it just kind of like a drained feeling it was very drained when I think back to I wasn't depressed because it was like I loved doing the sport that I was doing so like even like with all the pressure and stuff like it was like my life in high school so like I loved what I was doing after all the drama and everything like it was like I get to play the sport every single day yeah everything so I was happy but like I was just so drained and my thing was like it wasn't my coach pushing me it was myself pushing me because like I wanted to play d1 tennis in college and like mm-hmm. I was like what I do right now is gonna help me get scholarships in college kind of mm-hmm. thing so like it would be like recruits watching me and me being stressed out super stressed out anytime a recruit came by my court like looking at me taking notes on me yeah kind of thing or like even like the newspapers coming to take pictures of me and being like here's like your newest recruit kind of thing like it was just very stressful in that way and then like it was so stressful that like I would ignore my body a lot Mm. so like I wasn't aware at that time now I think back I was just so tired all the time I was so stressed out but like I wouldn't think about that I'd just be like oh it's just a part of like I need to be strong kind of thing because like my private coach would always be like don't be kind of a wimp like you just like Like, you gotta do it too yeah that kind of plays into a thing that that we've been like bringing up and one of the doctors that we Mm -hmm. featured also talked about it how 
a lot of these athletes are kind of like in a sense of like denial or mm-hmm. like you got to push through you have like, to oh, stay you just strong gotta toughen up. yeah yeah just which is of- not okay mm-hmm. an example is uh my private coach at home like if any of us like kind of like twist or like even like break our ankles like he tells us like put a band-aid on it and keep on playing kind of thing oh yeah and I have a permanent injury from that on my ankle now like there was a um there was a time where I completely okay. fractured my ankle and I didn't know it and I couldn't even feel the thing but I was like I gotta win this thing I can't like have like a I can't look like a wimp and have like a withdraw on my record because like I just broke my ankle like my mentality was like oh breaking your ankle is nothing because coach is like literally like worse things can happen to you so like I literally went and took a towel out of my bag and like wrapped it around my ankle and kept playing so like we went through like training like that trying to become d1 athletes so like me losing my period for a few months was like or like what we went through right wow so like obviously like the reason well you experienced a triad and like amenorrhea because or like losing your period because you were energy deficient and that Mm -hmm. that that happened because like you were overtraining Mm -hmm. like working through a broken ankle like especially mm -hmm. just have just being so young and you know not knowing as like they're your coaches and I feel like they should have been responsible like not knowing how far to push and when to push and I feel like you know, I, I don't know how old he is, like, but that's a grown, a grown adult, Yeah. you know, shaping who you are as a person right now. Like you were, I don't know, let's say 15, 16 around there. Yeah. 15 to 18 years old. Yeah. Like yeah. 14, 18 all those years. Old, you're still like a developing child. Like you're still a developing teen, you know, it's like for him or for them to do that. Like, it's just really not right. Yeah. Did your um, view of food and like the way that you eat ever change or was it kind of like still consistent? Like, did you ever feel like you had to eat less? Oh yeah. Once when I said my senior year, because my hormones were very messed up and I was like, gain, I gained 20 pounds in that year with, with not changing my diet whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started eating once like, yeah, I would start eating less and like, um, there was, I remember there was a few times during season. This was so bad with me being my senior year. I was so stressed out. Like I have to get into a college. I have to get like the college recruiters to like mm-hmm. be impressed by me kind of stuff. And I'm here. I am like gaining weight, like a hippopotamus kind of thing. <laughs> um, so um, I would eat so much less. I would sometimes skip like my lunch. I didn't even take a lunch that year. Cause I'm like, Oh, like might as well take a class instead of like sitting and eating kind of thing and like I didn't eat a lot because I was like I have to stop gaining weight because otherwise I can't like run as fast kind of thing like our coaches literally tell us like my private coach is like if you gain weight you will not be able to like run as fast and like coaches division one athlete coaches literally look at your weight too because they're like if you're overweight like you cannot like perform at the like best that we want kind of thing so I was not eating and then there'd be times where like I almost would like pass out like it'd be like 97 degrees like a four-hour match constantly running constantly changing directions everything I would like sometimes feel like I'd have to pass out and then there was like one or two times where my coach my school coach was like get out like you you literally look like you're gonna die it's because I hadn't eaten all day I hadn't like drank enough water I like heard like like bloating comes from like drinking too much water so I didn't drink that much water either and even like my private coach is like water's kind of for wimps so like don't drink it oh wow (laughs) yeah so like um we at my division one club we're trained not to drink that much water so which is completely essential yeah like the whole world is telling Uh. you like whatever you do like you ought to stay hydrated like for Mm -hmm. you as an athlete to be running outside and like the sun all day long like whatever like exactly. running outside and like expending all that energy like how would you water is not for wimps I'm I'm sorry yeah. whoever, your coach that right. that's complete so not right <laughs> I guess one of the biggest thing is it's like you went through the triad and you had no idea about that and like mm-hmm. obviously this is something that needs to be like publicized more how do you think or like, what would you think would be a good way to start publicizing this? How would you say like, we should get it out into the light? Because mm-hmm. you saw it, like I did that 
Instagram poll, right? Being like, do you know what the triad is? And only like 8% of the people were like, yeah, like I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Most of the people like had no clue. And like, even I have like, never heard of it. Right, and I like, you were it. one of those people and you experienced mm-hmm. it, like, which is even more scary, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say? Like, what, what needs to happen to get it out there? Yeah. I feel like before, especially in high school athletes, like there needs to be like some sort of like education where like the coaches learn what it is. And then they are required to teach athletes before the season starts, like what it is and like how to prevent it and make sure like, kind of like for the, it's like mainly like the coaches. Like, I feel like since we weren't educated on it, like we're out here, like very like confused at this point. Like it's like, it's been three years since I've been in college, like, like high school athletes. And like, I'm was very confused about this. So like, I feel like it's like, like high school coaches, like have to be educated on it and then teach it to athletes before their season starts every single year. I know it'll be repetitive, but like, I feel like it's so important. They got to do it, especially for us females where it can lead to kind of like infertility and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And I like, I don't know how you would feel like, how would you feel as an athlete being like having a course or something that you would have to take before, before you start on the team, like whether that be each every season or, you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that would be helpful too. Right. Cause it's like, this isn't only females too. Like there's also right. males, like the males male aspect too. is like, just not as, not as evident. Yeah. Not, not as, as evident, easy. which is harder yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, mm-hmm when we talk about this, there's not really that many males that will come out and be like, yeah, I experienced it. Cause most of the time, like they don't, they even, don't even know, know. It's happening. Right. They don't know. A lot they of don't times, have like, like a monthly timer kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes they might not even know until like they and their partner are like trying to get mm-hmm. pregnant and they're unable to. And that's, that's caused by the male partner. Mm-hmm. You know, it obviously needs to be educated. Like, like, what would you say would be more helpful in terms of like, let's say pro, either putting a program for all high school students or high school athletes. And right before a season happens, they have to take like a module, yeah. a educational module, or would it be more helpful to just kind of put it in, I, you know, that course where like that health and sex course that I feel mm-hmm. like everyone has to go through. Yeah. Um, and to just make a section out of that, like, which one would you think is more helpful? Or I'm sorry, sorry, sorry to interject. <laughs> okay. To add another, to add another option would be to even make another module for like coaches that they would have to go through and would have to like renew the certification almost. Yeah, you I know, feel like they could kind of all go in like tandem. Mm-hmm. Like they, they could all go together. We could like put stuff out mm-hmm. in in classes and for the athletes and for coaches. So it's mm-hmm. like, like it's gonna get there you know like how do you feel about that um so I've totally forgot about this but there's like people like who train for sports that are outside of like high school like their kids who are trying to become like d1 figure skaters or d1 hockey players like there's no facilities and like there's that you don't play that in high school like that just like is like on your own time so like doing it before athletics is kind of like a backdrop of those kids so I feel like in total like maybe everyone should be educated about it right yeah I feel like that would help so much more Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like it would help like the private athletes too Mm -hmm. because like private athletes like the school's kind of just like oh you guys are doing your own kind of thing like we don't have to take care of you like body education wise on like the effects of like the triad but like if the whole like state or the nation makes like every health class take it right and like learn about it then like it'll get to all audiences so yeah. like everyone's already even if like some kid is like ready to be on like a fitness mission where like they like go through a body transformation like they might yeah. experience it That's like cool. so it needs to like go through everyone I feel like mm-hmm. yeah no you're so right um another question that I have for you is I know you're not playing d1 right now are you you're just no I'm just playing club now yeah. So I'm sure that's like, you know, like lifted a, a huge load off of you. Yeah, um, it did for sure. How would you say that you like overcame the effects of the triad? I know you just stopped the birth control, which, mm-hmm. which is good. Like how else would you um, 
see that you overcame it? So right now it's kind of like me kind of like, it's kind of emotional right now. Cause I'm just like, dang, like I thought I was getting fixed, but like, I'm not. And like, here I am still like going through, like, you know, like I'm still stuck at the weight gain that I was at, even though I'm still like eating yeah. the same thing as I did years ago. Okay. And like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. But it's like, if I was educated about it earlier, maybe I, I would have been able to like over, like, I would have like, kind of like not went through that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then um, it's still like me seeing like the side effects of it. And like now my thing is like, I'm going to have to just go to the doctor kind of thing and be like, what do I do now that I'm not taking birth control kind yeah. of thing? Like, how do I tell if I've gotten over it? Cause like, I'm still playing tennis like two to three times a week. Mm -hmm. And like I played um yesterday actually, and I played for three and a half hours. So yeah. like, I feel like it's still kind of like, like I woke up so like sore today. So it's like, I feel like it's kind of like a decent amount. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I still want to like be able to like go to a doctor who will actually tell me something. Right. Where I so, can fix it. And like, like n where I won't be as emotional. Like why do I have like acne? Why do I have like weight gain right. kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I would, um, I'm obviously not a medical practitioner in any sense, right? But kind of like what we've been learning um, and like our own research and um, you know that I want to go into medicine. So like mm -hmm. all that combined, I would say like definitely nutrition, right? So like right. dietitian, like look into a nutritionist because mm -hmm. um, like nutrition is key. Like food is your fuel. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is one of our speakers, one of the, one of the doctors that we're featuring is a functional medicine doctor. So what mm -hmm. they do is rather than just like giving you medicine, one, they don't tend to administer birth control. And two, right. um, they really look at the root cause of everything. So they do like extensive, extensive blood research on like your background, you know, yeah. like, and like extensive blood panels. Mm -hmm. Cause like regular, um, traditional medicine usually has like a very broad range for all the, the blood work that they mm -hmm. do. Functional medicine has like a very specific one. So like, even if you're like on the lower side or the higher side of something, like they'll get alerted. And I, I feel like that could really help you out a lot. So like mm -hmm. look into nutrition, nutritionists and like functional medicine. I feel like yeah, that could help you move, move with your journey. Yeah. And I guess my last question to you is just, if you could give yourself and like give yourself advice from when you were 14 to 18 years old um and or to another athlete who who's going through the triad like what would you tell them like what would your piece of advice be your body's first like mm -hmm. don't be out here like yeah. trying to like be like the star of your newspaper like you're you're like what up your town's newspaper mm -hmm. like don't be out here like trying to impress all these like division one college coaches like at the end of the day if your body's not right like right you're not gonna be performing well as a d1 athlete in like the few years that you're gonna be there because like you're gonna have this problem that you've just been ignoring and it's just like your body's gonna like come to a breaking point eventually I love that absolutely yeah I think that's very important and I think we should conclude with that like that's a strong mm -hmm. note so okay. thank you so much mm -hmm. for being on our podcast all about the triad it was wonderful hearing you speak. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you, so you for having me. Yeah, thanks.